0: listening to the double dose podcast with dr trish
1: and jeff todd
0: dr trish here we are yet another episode this is a special episode
1: this is a good one
0: joining us today is i want to say he's almost the oprah winfrey of podcasting
1: great analogy i I like that
0: he's a big deal his voice is heard by a lot of people
1: He's the first podcast I ever listened to.
0: Voice, narrator, producer, and we're going to get into all that because I, I mean, all these titles, I don't, he's just the grand pooba of podcasting of some of the biggest podcasts that are out there. And when we started Double Dose, we never wanted to be pigeonholed into just medicine or just one thing. We wanted to be able to talk to anybody we found interesting and this guy's definitely there. So joining us now is uh, Mr. Lindsey Graham, all the way. I believe you're in the great state of Texas, right?
2: Dallas, Texas. Yes. So Dr.
0: Herford and this, this kind of came about a little bit randomly. Um, I follow Mr. Graham on Twitter and one night I tweeted him and said, Hey, you know, you probably have every podcaster in the world that tweets at you and asks you to do their show, but you you miss every shot. You don't try. So I'll just say, Hey, you want to do our show? And then he, he wrote back pretty quickly, made fun of me and said, well, I don't know anything about your podcast because all you do is talk about blenders on your Twitter account. <laughs> and I, and I laughed really hard at that because it is the last time I was on Twitter, I was complaining about a blender I bought and then he, we emailed and now he's, he's with us. So now we want to pick your brain. We want to understand kind of what you do, you know, and I'm going to start things with, you know, how did you get started in podcasting? You've been asked this a
2: thousand times. I'm sure. I have been, but it's a good story and I'll, I'm glad you know, still to tell it again. So, um, the, uh, the shorter version is that uh, I uh, got fired from my insurance company job uh, and uh, had an opportunity then to kind of reassess. And I've always been interested in audio. Um, I'm a musician and composer and have uh, this little studio uh, that you've, you're seeing me from. And um, so wanted to see if, you know, Maybe maybe a, a career in marketing uh, from which I just got fired isn't <laughs> the best thing for me, but let, let's see if I can't turn something I'm passionate about, audio, into a career. And um, uh, I started by uh, teaming up with someone who wanted to do something similar uh, and had experience in audiobooks. And, uh, but we, we both had an interest in podcasts. This was in 2015, so about a year after Serial had kind of Changed the podcast landscape and made it much more mainstream. Even though way back in 2005, I had a small podcast uh, about the Dallas local music scene here. But um, we decided to to make a podcast, and audaciously and naively, we uh, decided to make a audio drama. So not not even an easy Talking Heads chat show like this one, but a full on uh, multicast. Uh, Completely sound-designed and scored audio drama, pretty much a, a TV show for uh, without the picture. Uh, it was called Terms. It was a um, political thriller, and um, and it came out right before the election of, or right after. It was written before the election of 2016, and, uh, and it caught the attention of of a company called Wondery. And at the time, they were uh, you know just a small audio startup, and they had uh, a had aspirations to make audio dramas. Uh, an important thing in the podcast world and they liked ours and so they uh they offered to help distribute and monetize the podcast and we were were pleased to uh, have their support and so this podcast terms came out and um one of the one of the tricks though about an audio drama is you don't have a uh, you don't have a host um there's no identifiable person that's doing the the podcast and instead you have characters right um actors playing roles and i didn't want anyone any character to 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 read ads to the audience. It felt really weird that that the villain of the show might try to sell you a mattress or something. Um, so I took on the role of writing and reading the ads uh, as a you know, creator and executive producer of, of the show. And uh, that, that was a smart move, I guess, because the CEO of Wondery really liked how I sounded and he liked how I wrote ads. And so even though that audiobook company, you know, uh, I left and uh, didn't work out for me, and I went back to the everyday marketing world that I, I had uh, tried to leave behind. Um, about a year later, out of, uh, out of the blue, uh, Hernan Lopez, CEO of Wondery, called me up and asked if I would be willing to uh, write and record ads for a new podcast that he has coming out called uh, uh, Dirty John. And uh, I said, yes. And then he said, also, we have this idea for a history show, and we're tentatively calling uh, America History Tellers. Would you want to host and sound design that show? And I also said yes. And uh, we were off to the races. Um, history Tellers came out after about a few months' worth of development and back and forth. And on January 3rd, 2018, I think, and within a few days, it was number one on the iTunes chart, and, uh, and my life had changed.
1: That's amazing. Do you have a strong background in history?
2: No, not really. Um, I wouldn't say I have a background at all. I've I've always been interested in in history, and, and that's one of the questions uh, Hernan asked me. He's like, "You're a history buff, right?" And uh, and I joke that that's just one of those questions you you always say yes to. Um, I,
1: I would say this is the most intimidating part of the podcast for me because my history background, despite being a physician, is awful. So I'm impressed that you could admit that. Yeah, you like history, but it's not my.
0: You should share your Alamo story with Mr. Graham.
1: Well, I went to the Alamo and at the end of my... There
2: was a basement? <laughs>
1: no. At the end of the IMAX theater presentation at the Alamo, I'm like, how did we win this? <laughs> my family looks at me with, I don't know what kind of look I was getting, but they're like, we didn't, which would explain why I didn't understand how we could overcome those odds. So apparently I missed that section of high school and whatever history I had in college.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I am not, I'm not, I am not academically trained, trained in, in, uh, in history at all. Um, I am interested in history. And in the, one of the, the benefits of being kind of uh, starting out as a history podcaster though, is that I'm, I'm learning at, with my audience and my uh, thirst for the material just grows. Um, yeah. I'm, I think I, <laughs> I'm simultaneously a teacher and a student, and I I think that's a good position to be in.
0: So you get, you help with Dirty John, which is an amazing podcast and actually turns into a television show. Um, And then you start American History Tellers and American History Tellers is, it's a must listen. I just, uh, I started Traders this today. Actually, I started the Traders series today. I'm a little behind, but, but. um,
1: I like Scandal, American Scandal and uh, honestly, Bad Batch. And Doctor Death.
0: We we quote or we talk about Bad Batch and Doctor Death. So you know our background. Mr. Graham doesn't know that much about us, but our background is: I'm a physician assistant. Doctor Herford's a interventional pain and um, rehabilitation um, physician, and so we have our practice here in St. Louis, Missouri. But um, we do some um, orthobiologics and stem cell treatments, and so Bad Batch was really something that was important to us because patients were actually talking about it, and, and then. You have to explain the difference between bad batch and then what, what options we have or, and why they're different or not different. And then, um, so that was and then Dr. Death, obviously, majority of our patients are spine patients, and Dr. Death was about a spine surgeon, so it was, you know, something that would be out there in the world, and you'd talk about it with patients, and they'd find it interesting, and now it's got a TV show, so every, a lot of people know about it.:
2: Yeah. And, and all of those shows were recorded in this studio. How
1: big is your studio?
2: Oh, it's pretty small. The room I'm in is uh, I don't know, 16 by 12, and, and then you- there's another room that's a little smaller than that.
1: Do you employ actors and act- actresses, actors together
2: for the shows that require them, uh, like uh, like terms? I was telling you earlier, uh, and another audio drama, 1865. Yeah, those those are all fully cast with actors who play the roles. Um, the other shows that you know. Uh, sometimes there are voice actors, but mostly, as you know, it's just me behind a microphone telling a story.
1: Your voice changes during some of your podcasts. You have a um, different level uh, or baritone to your voice with different podcasts, which is interesting. I have to li- uh, You can catch a, catch your voice and pick up on it very quickly, but it does take a, a sweet moment to get there. Well, I think yeah, uh,
2: part of part of the storytelling process is um, is modulating the vocal delivery. Um, certainly, in the reenactments, I, I have to differentiate characters because there is only me doing them. And usually, there's only two, which is you know, good. We try to keep the character count low. It'd be harder to differentiate between me voicing five people. But even then, I have to um, I, I, I pay attention to pitch and, and pace and uh, and intensity. You know, um, and even in the outside of the reenactments, in the narration, I, I try and pay attention to the same thing. Um, because the, sometimes this is a, a reflective moment or sometimes this is an exciting or terrifying moment and you want you want the narration to to feel that way you want it to be emotive and expressive so, so I, I also you know sometimes i've got I'm sick <laughs> or I've got allergies uh, and uh, I definitely do sound different but um, yeah most of the time it's it's on purpose
1: so you're an actor in essence as well for
2: some yeah, of your I, I guess. I would say that, um, but I, I never intended to be. You know, that's not something I've I, I, I aspired to. But yeah, I, I, and more and more, I really enjoy the the acting side of it. Um, I just did a uh, the newest series on American Scandal is going to be about the Pentagon Papers, and uh, so I recorded an episode just yesterday. And there's a scene in there um, that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed playing it. It felt real, and um, it allows me to improvise a little bit. Um, I improvise quite a bit, actually. Uh, off the script, so yeah at this point I'd say I am you know a voice actor
0: on your your daily production that you our weekly production you're putting out American history tellers you're putting out American scandal you have the new daily show um, American history daily I think is, I get that name right uh, uh,
2: history daily history
0: yeah. daily and then is there am I missing any um that you're yeah, putting out uh,
2: uh, daily there's another week, oh. another weekly show called uh, business movers
0: well business movers is your that's right so I mean that How are you producing all this content? We do
1: Do you live in that room?
0: I mean, we do an (laughs) hour of content every two weeks. And it takes me roughly two weeks to turn around one of these and edit it and kind of get them get them posted. I mean, how are you producing this much content?
2: Well, uh, it is my full-time job. So I've got 40 hours at least a week to apply to this. And uh at this point I have three other employees. Who who helped me out? Um, I've got two sound designers, full time sound designers and sound editors, and now a chief of, of content who's assisting me in, um, in making sure that the the writers that we contract uh, are, are are putting in scripts on time and well. And is uh, doing the same thing for the shows that that they own and produce, and those are History Tellers, Scandal, and, and Business Movers are all Wondery uh, owned shows. And then History Daily is something that I do uh, through my company Airship, and you know. Um, so, so yeah, there's a team, you know, there, there are producers and assistants and writers and uh, editors and sound designers and a whole bunch of us now. Um, but I, we are still really efficient also. I don't, I've had conversations with other podcasters and who are, who are putting out stuff at this level and, um, and even people at Wondery, uh, uh, we seem to be able to crank stuff out, uh, at a clip that is, feels a bit unusual for the industry. I don't know if that's actually the case, but, but people seem to seem impressed by how much I'm doing.
1: I'm impressed. How did Airship come about?
2: Well, when I, uh, when I left that audiobook company, uh, I was, and, and got that call from Hernan, I needed some sort of little entity to, to contain my business, you know? Um, and so that's, that's what I came up with. Um, uh, it's, just a you know a, a, a an LLC to contain my work, but since then, like I said, it's grown, and um, and I'm I'm really happy about that. And we have all the plans to grow further. So um, yeah,
0: it's a this is a question that Dr. Herford and I were kind of trying to understand about the business side of podcasting, which you're you're on um, up to your eyeballs. Is the plan someday that Airship might become its own Wondery? Because um, I think of Wondery as this container that has all these, this content and these shows almost like a network, um, would airship become its own network at some point? Or, you know, what do you think that develops into?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I think, um, I think you can look at Wondery or many other companies, um, and, and see a good model there. Who wouldn't want to (laughs) three years or four years after starting it sell to Amazon for $300 million. Um,
0: (laughs) it's a nice upside.
2: yeah. Yeah. There, there's some upside to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I envision airship as becoming a, uh, a broader company or a company broader than just me. Um, you know, right now I am involved as talent in most of my shows and I, I don't need that to continue. Um, I can certainly work as an executive and a creative behind the scenes instead of in front of the mic. Um, so yes, in, I, I envision airship as becoming, um, a bigger network of shows that aren't necessarily me or aren't necessarily history. And uh, we'll try to grow as, as much as the market will let us.
1: Can podcasters in general, people who are interested and who have a good story to tell contact airship and say, Hey, I have this idea. Is this something that you could use?
2: Yeah. You know, uh, I actually don't receive too many um, podcast pitches right now. I get a lot of, you know, uh, suggestions for topics for existing podcasts. Um, but only recently has, uh, have people been approaching us with ideas for completely new shows. Um, I, I hope to be able to talk soon. I can't now, unfortunately, about some exciting developments with some pretty big companies in the, in the world of entertainment. Um, and those are really exciting conversations to have. Um, but, um, yeah, I would, I would at least pay attention to a a brief pitch for a show idea. Um, but it, you know, the the landscape has changed a lot and the cost and effort of, of launching a show is is it's bigger than it used to be and and it's significant um so any new show that we would consider has to be really well thought through and fit the and fit the the brand of of airship and where it's it is right now um you know i don't think i would do for instance a, uh, a talk show about MMA fighting, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and uh, so it, it would have to match our sensibilities.
0: Yeah, that that is one of the questions I had is is a little bit of, you know, the future of podcasting. But into that is anybody can have a podcast, which is some of the things that make it wonderful, but also kind of makes it a problem. I mean, can
1: make it boring too.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have a challenge trying to, it's, it's difficult to kind of get through the noise sometimes with, just even our own, like people that do listen to us, you got to make sure they find you. They make sure they get to you. And then if there's another podcast named Double Dose, but it's Double Dose something else, they got to find it. Like it, it's a little bit of a challenge because there's so much stuff out there.
2: To... Yeah, it's more than more than a little bit of a challenge. It's a it's a full on challenge. Uh, you know, everyone is wondering about how to market, how to find audiences, and how to be discovered in apps. And a lot of money is being spent to find the right way to do it. Um, and for the average podcaster, and I, I think podcasting is is an incredible medium, be, especially because of the low barrier to entry that anyone with a phone can probably just start doing it. Um, so there's this, that lack of gatekeeping, uh, opens a world of opportunity to anyone with talent, but by the same token, uh, that talent is rare. Right. And so a lot of people who, who have aspirations to, to podcast, um, will, will be flooding, you know, the airwaves for lack of another term. And it does make finding the good stuff difficult and you have to be very strategic or spend a lot of money. Um, yeah, it's tough.
0: I mean, I think that's one of the challenges when, when I reached out to Airship a a while ago, I mean, I didn't know what I was reaching out for to be real honest, but I. That's why
1: he's ignored you. That's exactly
0: right. (laughs) But in my mind, my logic was, Hey, listen, I think that we've got two semi-intelligent people that can have a decent conversation and can potentially hold a conversation. But I, in my mind, I was like the big advantage of company would be having people that could feed us guests or feed us questions that we don't even think of, but we can ask them if we could get the, if we, if somebody said, Hey, ask this question, or this is something I want to know. I felt like we could put it together in a way and with support, you'd be able to do it. Cause it, it, it leads to a question I have for you regarding you mentioned that you have writers. Cause that was the other thing. I'm like, who is you creating content? is is time consuming sitting down there and you're recording it, but just, writing your scripts and coming up with your ideas i mean where does all that come from
2: well it, it comes from i mean in the beginning you know you have this idea of a show and uh you don't know exactly what it is but it it can be very off the cuff um you know uh american scandal for instance was an idea that i had but it was driven um you know it was driven by a need because i i was working full time and narrating and sound editing american history tellers at the same time and i was losing all my nights and weekends and while American History Tellers was amazingly successful, eh, it would be really risky to uh, to give up my my career after I had already done that and failed, you know, and become a podcaster. And so I, I, I thought to myself, you know, if, if I had a second show that was even, you know, half as successful, then, then I, I could kind of balance the risk and then maybe perhaps become a full-time podcaster. So that was the reason for the show. And I looked at the market. And I said, "Well, American history tellers is successful, and and people just seem to love true crime. Is there something in the middle—an uh, American history tell, uh, American history show that kind of deals with true crimey stuff?" And so I, I I put together a pitch. And this pitch was, you know, it wasn't a shiny PDF or a PowerPoint you know presentation. It was an email that I sent to Wondery. Now I had an in already. You know, I was a trusted collaborator with Wondery already and that was certainly a benefit but i just pitched you know this idea of american scandal and they said yeah sounds great let's do it that was it you know so so in the beginning the show is is just a loose collection of ideas but then it it becomes a real enterprise and you have to work on the development now we have to figure out what what actually is american scandal and we would struggle for for weeks until we finally kind of ad- identified a few a, a singular central question that any American scandal topic has to address, and that that is how did this happen in America,
1: and how did they get caught,
2: That's... Uh, or get off or not, oh, not right, get caught, right, right, right. Yeah, um, someone has to have stakes. Some, there has to be an authority. It has to be. It can't just be. In the early days, we were thinking, what about the DC madam? And you know, if you remember anything about that, you know, do. It was the prostitution ring. And at the end of it, I, I felt that it was just tawdry. It wasn't scandalous. It, it didn't rise to the level of interest that I wanted in the show. Because ultimately, a bunch of rich, rich politicians had sex with women, and the women got in trouble. And that's not, that's not a, a really engaging story. But Iran-Contra, uh, that, that's a scandal, right?
1: Clinton Lewinsky.
2: So, yeah, right. Um, although, you know, where is, is the scandal there? Uh, Again, that's, that's, that's getting really close to the edge. And we have to ask the question, how did this happen in America? And it points more to the use of Monica as a pawn,
1: right?
2: That's the scandal and uh, as ruining someone's life for a political advantage. Um, And we tried to focus on that, but uh, back to the, to the, the answer to the question once now, now we have an idea of what the, the show is about and we get into the real nitty gritty of, 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 production and that's finding a writer for our shows first and um and then putting together an outline and then reading the first script and hating it and having to tell the writer that we hate it and hopefully here are some constructive reasons why we didn't like it and where it has to go and rewriting some things. And you know in the early days of all these shows I was I was rewriting quite a bit. Now I don't um thankfully because we've got a pattern, a formula for for much of this stuff and the writers are, are more experienced. You
0: use the um, same group of writers traditionally, like-
2: often, often, yeah. I mean, you, you you once you train someone up, and once someone's gotten good, you don't want to let them go. Uh, you know, there's a there's a cost involved in bringing on someone new. Um, but uh, yeah, there's probably across all my shows about twelve writers that keep keep coming back. Um, and there's new writers all the time, but you know, there's there's a, a group of experienced ones.
1: How do you vet the facts in the script? So you have writers who submit things. Who's fact-checking?
2: Yeah, well, almost every show has a, um, has a producer who is also doing some research and in being informed on the topic. Um, many of the weekly shows that, that you know, put out 48, 52 episodes a year do not have a dedicated fact-checker. We rely on the writer to be ethical and the, the, the producer and me to try and catch every, anything. And of course we don't always catch everything and listeners tell us what we've missed and we fix it as soon as possible um, it's not a perfect system and you know it's bigger shows like some of Laura Beale's uh, shows most recently like bad batch um, those are heavily fact-checked but they have a much bigger budget and a, a bigger audience and and bigger stakes I mean they're 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 more reporting it's original reporting and, and ours relies a lot on on kind of pre-checked um, Pre-fact-checked history, um, and we're not a current events or or, or breaking reporting show. So uh, I, I we get we get by by. I, I I think uh, our our uh, our desire for accuracy is is rigorous. Good. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, and, and many people ask us because uh, those shows are have these uh, reenacted moments in which uh, you might say how how could you possibly know what was said and and at the end of every show we tell you we don't know what was said uh, but but we do know a lot of facts about any one of these you know meetings we know that these two people were in the room we know which room they were in what day it was on what time of day what their general emotions were what was generally discussed and we do fill in the blanks and also i think everyone understands that that in these reenacted moments with the music and the sound design swelling up underneath it that it's clearly a reenactment it's not like a Tape recording of the event.
1: Absolutely, and you introduce it as such. Do you have any rules for your podcasting? Are there certain formulas, rules, or boundaries for what you produce?
2: Yeah, there's quite a few. Um, I many of them are unwritten. Some of them are stylistic. You know, we've got a style guide for every single show, Um, and um, but many of the rules that I think you're getting to are are probably intuitions of taste. And propriety um things that that uh that my my producers or me are responsible for when when is something appropriate or tasteful uh to discuss when is something um you know th- there's a lot of controversy in some of these topics and how do we how do we address it fairly and how do we address it with uh the the intent of the show um we are never really you know scandalous isn't try scandal isn't trying to be scandalous <laughs> It's trying to be a, a, a journalistic review of something that horrible that happened so that people are informed. And I think we're driven by that by that mission rather than to
0: Do you find that one um, one show is your baby more than others?
2: Yeah, I, you know, like any parent, uh, I, I can't answer that question. Uh, you know, one show is more successful than the other. And one show is is sometimes more fun to put together than the other. And but one show, you know, was was the original. Like, I have reasons to love all of them. Um, you know, a, a good answer would be my 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 most favorite show is the next one I'm about to correct, you know, create. <laughs> um, but no, I don't have any favorites. Uh, History Tellers is, is is probably the purest, mission, most mission-driven educational show I've got, and it was the first one I came out with, and I love it dearly. Scandal is a lot of fun to do, and it's my biggest success, so I love it. Business Movers is a, is a great um, you know, topic shift for me, and I'm really enjoying exploring the world, the history of business, and these, these creators and entrepreneurs, and having a lot of fun there. And then History Daily is completely different. Um, sort of uh, beast, and uh, and because of that, and because it's the new, most new, uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it. So no, I can't I can't have a favorite. They're 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 all loved equally for different reasons.
1: Do you listen to outside podcasts ever?
2: Um, yeah, it's a common question. I of course I do, um, be, but I listen kind of uh, with intent to uh, for reconnaissance. Really, <laughs> what is the industry doing? Um, as you, as you might imagine, I spend a lot of time listening during the week and and there are times when I'm done with my day that, uh, I just don't want to hear a thing. So, uh, um, I don't listen to podcasts near as much as you think a podcaster probably would.
1: And if you're listening, you're listening for the changes in the podcast listening. I mean, more and more people, um, opt into podcasts during their work week while they're sitting at their desk working and now working from home. So I can imagine you want to know what's going to be perceived as more successful to the listening audience.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone wants to figure out what the next big thing is or, or uh, actually probably more commonly replicate what the last big thing was. Um, so uh, I, I listen carefully to any anything that gets a bit buzzy. But, um, you know, there's still some really good shows that are old. I mean, I I, I always enjoy Malcolm Gladwell and, and revisionist history. He It's just quirky and fun. And he's got a great way of uh, delivering things, but also his content is irresistible. And some things I, I so I, I am able to find just pure enjoyment in it.
1: I uh, do like but... your history daily. I mean, short clips, listenable, perfect. And that may be part of your podcasting rules for that particular show is keep it under a certain amount of time with the content, easy and interesting. So you capture the audience and keep them.
2: Well, yeah. Talking about formulas and rules that, that show in particular is, is, is littered with them. We have a very strict format. We have word counts for every single act. Wow. uh, That the writers have to hit. We, we have a a strict, a strict style guide that we've developed. There is, there is, you know, if it, if you were to take the skin off, you'd see that the, the scaffolding, the bones underneath are, are the same episode to episode, even though the topics change. And that's certainly by design. We have to crank these out fast. But right. also, I think it's effective. Um, we've Those rules are there to guide the story and make it the best, best version of its telling as, as it can be.
1: I think that would be a great radio listen as you take your kids to school, honestly. I might have done better with the Alamo hat I
2: had. <laughs> so do you yeah I, I, I will i will be sure to put an alamo, alamo episode out and I'll, I'll let you know when it's coming
1: i'll need that do you believe you can change um the future of podcasting with what you're doing or do you hope to change the future of podcasting uh, that's, that's content that's creation question.
2: yeah you know I, I don't i don't think i've ever thought as grandiose as i want to change the industry i'm in certainly want to participate in it I, um
1: but you're better wanna, than a participant anymore what's that you're better than a participant anymore
2: well I- thank you very much but i i think uh you know i am i am participating in an industry that is pretty big uh and growing bigger year to year and um and i enjoy my my position of prominence however it, it is um but i've never wanted to to lead the industry or change it. Um, I think it's it's changing on its own. It's a it's a it's a beast that is interesting and captivating. And you know, I I know for a fact that many people bemoan the professionalization of of the industry, the consolidation that's going on. Um and but at the same time, that's I think good. You know, we've got this this growing new thing. It's not radio, it's not TV, it's not, you know, YouTube, it's not social media, it's podcasts. It's its own thing, and it's um, and it's beautiful, and I'm glad to be here.
1: Do you do any kind of pre-podcast preparation on a regular basis with your voice? I'm sure you do sound uh, checks, et cetera.
2: Yeah, I I, I probably should. <laughs> this this is how how much of a you know I was just thrust into this this uh, career. I never expected to be you know a voice artist acting on microphone. And so I, I probably have some bad habits. Um, I do know that my diction is not especially great. So um, I pay, I've been over the years paying more and more attention to how I enunciate, and, uh, and so I'll make some very silly faces while I narrate, um, trying to keep my my cheeks away from my teeth. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't do any vocal warm-ups. There are some days in which uh, I realize I have to stop. I'm just in a bad place, or I drank a lot of milk or something, you know. Uh, um, but yeah, there's no there's no real regimen here. And and thankfully I I I don't strain my voice. I've never felt tired. My jaw gets tired more than my my vocal cords or anything else. Um, but yeah, I'm sure uh one of your uh peers in some eye nose and throat person will immediately tell me that I absolutely have to to do some warm-ups before this. Uh and I will listen. I'm
0: I'm really interested in 1865. I mean it. It is literally one of the most enjoyable podcasts that I've ever listened to.
1: Captivating from the beginning.
0: right I mean, there's two things that really stuck out to me about 1865. Well, and a, and a lot of your podcasts actually. One, the production is like it's done so well that you really do visually feel like you feel like you can see it as you're hearing it. Which is, I mean, that's the music and that's all the the other things that go into it, and. So is that, is that, is that a goal? I don't, I mean, is well, that a weird question? Let me add
1: but- on to that. It's, it's almost as if taking what you would read. And to me, I always loved reading better than watching a movie because you could create the experience in your head. And that in particular takes how you would read it and adds an element that there's no way you could visually recreate that in such a, a such a way.
0: Yeah, my Ed, my Edwin Stanton looks so much different than yours, right? And I, and I honestly have, I have prevented myself from going and looking up what these people look like because I'm, I know, like Edwin Stanton in my head looks like Tommy Lee Jones. (laughs) I don't, I, and not for me. I don't know why, but that's
1: having a podcast adds an element to everything you've already created in your head. It's it's a fabulous way to actually hear a story that one in particular if we can just
2: well it's super fun to hear you guys discuss you know how you're visualizing you know 1865 of course edwin stanton the protagonist of the first season especially uh, is a historical figure you can totally look him up and and uh he has an amazing beard but does not look (laughs) like you imagine (laughs) um yeah the, the from the beginning um with terms and especially with 1865 immersion in this world was a goal of mine with the sound design um we went to great lengths actually to try and produce a a a facsimile of civil war era america and the the rooms in which uh these men and and a few women uh traipsed and and conversed and um it it was yeah, it was hard work. Uh, that was that was our, our goal. So um, uh, we wanted the 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 creaks of the floorboard boards. We wanted the rustle of their uh, you know, twill coats. We wanted all of it there. We wanted uh, the horse drawn carriage four streets away. Um, the the gas lantern being you know the only only light in the room. We wanted you to to feel that, even though uh, none of them can really be heard explicitly. And
1: you felt that when you were producing, could you? Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, Good. you know, when you're done, when you think you've achieved that.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, um, amazing.
0: The second question I had about it, and this is about a lot of your podcasts is, do you ever get amazed when you do these history podcasts and you, you go, man, if I change the date on this, it's happening again. Like uh, so many things. I'm like,
2: great question, we've, Jeff. I we've have to
1: already right. done this. Like, are we learning from history? Yeah. Or um, not?
2: I, I was listening to another podcast. I think it was called uh long form and it was a, it was an interne- interview with um, uh, Ken Burns and um, and he was talking about his historical project. Now he has a timeline for, for uh, his documentaries that are, you know, 10, 15 years. He'll start working on a project and and not know the release date of it uh, uh, for for years. And yet he gets asked the same question. How did you know that baseball or Vietnam or whatever he was working on uh, was so so relevant to today? And his answer is, I didn't know. I couldn't have known. I started working on it 12 years ago. Um, But here's the trick. History is always relevant. We're all people living this, living lives that every generation has fundamentally lived, uh, facing decisions and crises that we've faced before. We we haven't changed much since our Mesopotamian roots as a society, and um, you know the the human species. Although all are everything around us has evolved and grown and and pr- progressed, I don't think we have. So that's, that's the, the, the realization of history, the beauty and the, and the use of it is that it's not really a study of anything that was done. It's the study of the people that were doing it.
0: Yeah. It, it throws me for a big loop when I listen to them, because there's been so many times that I'm just like, my goodness, this is, this is just as accurate today. And they'll, they'll record this and change the names and you won't have to change very much to, to recreate the exact same thing.
1: Medicine is like that. It, it, repeats itself. What happens in the medical field with diseases and treatments repeats itself.
0: Well, I mean, opioid addiction is probably the greatest example of that. I mean, it's literally textbook repeating itself. They went through the morphine, it was opium, then it was morphine, and now we're just doing it again in that, but with our different civil, drugs.
1: Our civil war disease, all morphine. Anyway. So, if you had to give advice to a young podcaster starting out who ultimately wanted to make this car- a career, what would you share with them?
2: Uh, you know, what's funny about that question is just this morning, um, Aaron Mankey, he's also a very popular and successful podcaster, uh, known mostly for lore. Um, he tweeted, uh, and I'm looking at the tweet right now, he said, starting a podcast. Here's a list of your most important tools, ranked by priority. Um, and we had a small conversation about his first tweet in which, and so he revised it uh, after after we talked. Number one, a well-crafted story planned with a goal. Number two, well-spoken, clearly understood speech. Three, a good, clear brand. Four, he puts this in quotations, a soft room, a room that's good for recording in. And five, finally, pricey equipment. Um, the idea, the story, the narrative is number one and always will be everything else after that is, is secondary. And I agree with him completely. If, if you are a podcaster, even if you're a podcaster, um, wanting to do an interview show like this, uh, there absolutely needs to be something at its core that is, uh, well-thought well-considered that is narrative that connects with your listeners. And the only way to do that is to find the humanity in it. And, um, and, and bring out the best, the best stories from people. Um, lots of ways to do it, but before anyone gets too excited about starting their, um, you know, their whatever podcast, uh, you know, uh, Lego for Schnauzers <laughs> podcast, um, they need to think about what the, the the story is about that and how how people can can relate to it.
1: Should the podcaster of twenty twenty two. Expect to make any money off of podcasts because I believe the younger generation, and I would have to age myself here, believes that podcasting is a career such as you've made it. But that's not, with the competition that we have, that's not necessarily the case.
2: Yeah. Going by the numbers, the answer is no. Um, you know, uh, if if you ask any one podcaster out of the two million that there are, have you made any money? And they'll say no. Um, if you divide that in half and only take the top 50% and then randomly pick out any of those podcasters, they'd still say no. You would have to get to the top 10%, the top 1% before they would start saying yes. Um, so in terms of sheer numbers of podcasters, it, it looks grim. But within that those numbers, if you carve out all the people who um, really weren't suited, um, didn't have the perseverance or you know just chutzpah to do it right, um, then the, the pool gets much, much smaller. And you might, you might really start getting some yeses. There's all sorts of people who do this as a hobby as, or for the wrong reasons uh, to somehow gain attention for themselves and not communicate with their audience. And um, if we get rid of all of those, and we find someone who thinks that they know what story they want to tell and how to tell it well, then then probably the odds get much closer to, I don't know, you know, better than one out of five and probably closer to 50-50 that the answer would be, yes, I've made some money. Um, Now, after that, can you make a career out of it? It gets tougher and tougher. Um, And all the same things that go into any career are are, uh, factors here. Uh, your connections, your luck, your inbred ability to do certain things, uh, your ability to tolerate failure and change and uncertainty, um, but to but it's daunting. I mean, this is a uh, almost like anything else. Uh, do you think you'll you'll play pro ball? Mm, no, you probably won't. Do you think you, you'll uh, win the World Series of Poker? Nope, you probably won't. Um, and podcasting is the
0: same. So when Lindsey Graham is not producing, starring in creating one of these 9 million shows that we know about what it what does he do what's off mike lindsey Graham like
2: well you know i've got a wife and a daughter and uh i enjoy time there um work keeps me pretty busy but I, i i do go home and i make dinner i love cooking um and frankly uh just my my daughter's just now turned eight and it's a it's a great period in which uh, whether well, the there's certain the depth and facets of her personality are just blossoming, and I I take enormous pleasure in just being with her, and, and watching and watching her encounter and, and interact with the world. Uh, so I guess I'm just a family man. Uh, you know, I I I clean the garage, I wash the windows, I cook the meals, and then you know I go to work.
1: Are you still involved with music?
2: Yes, I compose uh, all the music for all my podcasts. Um, uh, that That's almost 100% true. Um, and so I I continue to like to do that. Uh, new new shows that will come out require a, a new theme song. And, you know, I did the theme song to um, another Wondery show called uh, Business Wars, and I did the theme song to one of their shows called The Lead, with, whether they're using it or not right now, I don't know. But um yeah, that's how i I continue to keep my my fingers on my instruments uh, while still being in podcasting. I, I I do the music in podcast.
0: well, we' got one more thing we want to run by you, Mr. Graham. This is our favorite part of our show, and uh, you're not prepared for this, but i think I think you'll enjoy it.
1: Okay, good. I'm ready. We might need your eight year old involved. <laughs>
0: It's time for Getting Hammered with Lindsey Graham. Five questions, top of mind answer. This is not deep dive stuff. This is just top of mind. Five questions. Uh, you are unprepared for these questions, and that's the way we like it because we just want to hear what is your first answer when we ask it to you.
1: And they might right. come back to haunt
2: you. I don't know. All
0: right. <laughs> so question number one, if you could have any superpower – what would you choose?
2: Oh, yeah. I should have an answer ready for this. Um, time travel. I'm a history p- podcaster. Let's go back in time.
0: Uh. It's a great answer. I mean, pretty much every time we do this at, at the end of every one of our podcasts, I pretty much just go back and make fun of Dr. Herford for her previous answers. Because usually our guests come up with really good ones. Her, question, her answer to that question was ability to speak all languages. And I, I told her that she could do that without a superpower. So I thought that was a weak superpower choice. So
1: yours would be a superpower.
0: Time travel is legit.
1: It is legit.
0: Question number two: What is the weirdest food you've ever eaten?
2: Um. Oh, intentionally, I'm sure yeah. there's some others that <laughs> uh, I didn't know I was eating. Um, I had some um, pretty uh, spicy cricket tacos in Mexico one summer. Um, and, uh, I, I, found them enjoyable, except that the, that the legs got stuck between your teeth uh. that now I didn't <laughs> like that. Uh.
0: Question number three, what is one of the things on your bucket list?
2: Uh, you know, I, I, I might, I, the truthful answer is maybe make a bucket list. I, I haven't, I haven't <laughs> done that. Um, there are all sorts of things I want to do. Um, gosh. I mean, of course, I want to travel more and I, I want to I want to see my daughter grow up and I want to grow old with my wife. And I want to, you know, build a house in a place that I want to live. And, and um, you know, but uh, there's not like a single activity. I, I don't I don't need to skydive. Um, OK, here, here you go. Here's one. So uh, recently I, I discovered that. Um, uh, oh, should I? Uh, um, OK. So you know, recently I discovered that George Clooney listens to American history tellers. Wow. Uh, he likes to, he likes to fall asleep listening to it. <laughs> and, and so uh, if we're making up a bucket list, then, then how about I go to his house on the, on Lake Como in Italy and I just read to him.
1: All the <laughs> a little creepy, but I, I get yeah, it. I understand. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I would read to him too. <laughs>
0: I think we should all try to use the power of the internet to make that happen.
1: I'll support you.
0: I mean, that honestly could be the most, um, you know, Hollywood actors are known for having lavish like things. What could be more lavish than actually bringing the voice of your favorite podcast into your house to read to you live as you fall asleep?
1: Just a step above a personal chef.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's right there.
1: Honestly, (laughs) that was an awesome answer.
0: (laughs) Question number four. And I'm, I'm I'm really intrigued by this question because you because of what you do for a living. If you could meet and have dinner with any person who ever lived, who would it be and why?
2: Um, oh, there's so many, so many uh, that would be you know super consequential. Um,
1: gosh, you don't have to be politically correct.
2: No, no. I mean, th- th- I, I'm thinking through, um, you know, th- there there would be some some that are just would be fascinating, personally fascinating, like, you know, like. Let's have dinner with Hitler. Right. You know, figure out who the hell that guy was.
0: Like that's or, like number three, probably number two or number three people. It's usually Jesus. Um, and yeah. then Hitler's actually the the second most common answer because people are just fascinated with like, what, what was that
2: guy all about? Right. You know, and I can understand Jesus, too. I mean, let's you know, whether whether you're religious or not, let's settle, <laughs> settle the issue. Who are you? Um but, um I, I tell you, there are two people um, revered in American history, and I think rightly so, uh, because they were extraordinary people who took their responsibilities very personally and made solemn vows to to do their best. And, and reached levels of success personally and, and in this country uh, that I think is unparalleled. So I would be fascinated to sit down with George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, two persons who I think obviously sacrificed in one case, everything, uh, for what they thought was a duty to this nation. And I think the idea of, of, of sacrifice, of duty, of um, citizenship on that level is really interesting. But, but more than that, more than the mission, more than the patriotic lesson, is that these are people who were able to measure themselves in great moments of crisis and uncertainty and, and deal. And I think it's, that's a um, selflessly um, a, a lesson that I want to learn. You know, there, there are aspects of these, these two men who, uh, that I think I would, I would love to adopt.
1: I love that question. I do love that answer. And George Washington to me created the current American experience by his behavior and his presidency in the very beginning, had it not been him or somebody took it in a different way, a totally different country. So I'll agree with you.
0: And I, I knew he would have something profound. He's just a student of history so much. So the last question, question number five, this is the famous question on uh, getting hammered. If you could be any animal, what would it be and why?
2: Any animal. Um, um, you know, here, here I, I'm, I'm searching for it, but I've, I've already started developing a criteria for picking the animal. So maybe you can help me out. I, I want to be um, developed and advanced enough. To realize that I exist, so I need to be like semi-conscious, you know, not not necessarily fully human conscious levels, uh, uh, but some self-awareness. And I need to live a long life, and I need to, re- and I want to be semi-conscious so that I realize that I'm happy. So maybe no no large predators. Nothing you sound that, like that's an really elephant right now. An elephant would be a good one. Yeah, uh, you know, if 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 uh, if I wasn't born into an ivory trading era. Um, yeah, an elephant, I was thinking maybe, um, you know, a tortoise as well, but something that just, that just lumbers along has a pretty good time. There's food abundantly around me and, uh, and, and I can just live. Sounds good.
0: Perfect answer. (laughs) Well, Mr. Graham, we, we can't thank you enough for joining us. I mean, we've really enjoyed it. I, I hope you did too, but, uh, we just, we really appreciate it. Where can our listeners, obviously the podcast is. Uh, is there a central place that we can send them to get more acquainted with your work?
2: Uh, yeah, I actually, the, uh, I wish there was a a one true place to go for, for everything. Um, it probably would be um, right now, uh, airship.fm, even though I, I don't like that website and want to change it. But if you really want the full Lindsey Graham experience, not the senator, uh, <laughs> find me on Twitter, just like you did. Uh, so my handle there is Lindsay with an A middle initial A, G R A H A M Graham, like the cracker. So Lindsay A Graham. And, uh, that, that's where I spend most of my time. That's when I'm not making podcasts
1: and Wondery has been acquired by Amazon, but many of your shows, those that you are directly involved in, you produce can be found on the Wondery app or Amazon podcast.
2: Yeah. Those apps, pretty much any app that, that, uh, that, Any podcast out there will, will, you know, they're available on. Nothing is exclusive um, yet. I'm sure that's coming
1: though. Airship exclusive, coming soon.
0: Sign up now. That's right, Mr. Graham. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you doing this. We've enjoyed talking to you, and uh, I just keep putting out that awesome content because we, we really do. We're big fans, and we appreciate uh, everything you do.
1: And I needed help. Thank you. So I will be listening more to the. History Daily. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, I, I will shoot you uh, an email when the Alamo episode is about to come out.
1: Honestly, thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be hilarious. Until next time, this has been the Double Dose Podcast with Dr. Trish
1: and Jeff Todd.